0: have a unique opportunity this Sunday as we consider two scriptures as part of our worship this morning. We consider the first six verses of Psalm 50 as a means of concluding the time that we have been spending over the last few weeks considering all of the ways in which God is holding our lives and using texts from the Psalms. However, we also celebrate a unique time in the liturgical year. This Sunday is known as Transfiguration Sunday. It's the Sunday that traditionally falls just before the celebration of Ash Wednesday. And so we also use a scripture from the Gospel of Mark to remember the story of the transfiguration that we hear in that particular gospel account. Let us listen for these words of scripture, beginning with words from Psalm 50. Adonai, our God, speaks and summons the earth from the rising of the sun to its setting. Out of Zion, the perfection of beauty, God shines forth. Adonai comes and will not be silent. A devouring fire goes before God while storms rage all around. God summons heaven and earth to the trial of God's people. Gather to me, my faithful ones, who make their covenant with me by sacrifice. The heavens affirm God's justice because it is God who is the judge. Selah. And now let us turn our attention to the Gospel of Mark, the ninth chapter, beginning at the second verse. Six days later, Jesus took Peter and James, and John, and led them up a high mountain where they could be alone. And there Jesus was transfigured before their eyes. The clothes Jesus wore became dazzlingly white, whiter than any earthly bleach could make them. Elijah appeared to them, as did Moses, and the two were talking with Jesus. Then Peter spoke to Jesus. Rabbi, he said, How wonderful it is for us to be here. Let us make three shelters, one for you and one for Moses and one for Elijah. Peter did not know what he was saying, so overcome were they all with awe. Then a cloud formed, overshadowing them, and there came a voice from out of the cloud. This is my beloved, my own. Listen to this one. Then suddenly when they looked around, they saw no one with them anymore, only Jesus. As they were coming down from the mountain, Jesus gave them orders not to tell anyone what they had seen until after the promised one, the Messiah, had risen from the dead. Friends, these are the words of the Lord from the Psalms and from the Gospel of Mark. Let us give thanks. Thanks be to God. Psalm 50 verses 1 through 6 and Mark's gospel account of the transfiguration are paired together as scriptures for this particular Sunday, this Transfiguration Sunday. They are related to one another, connecting the awesome and expansive light of God to the occasion of seeing Jesus in the light, along with Moses and Elijah. In the text of Psalm 50, the judge is inviting people to remember their covenantal promise, to be the people who embody the attributes of God in the world. So this is one of our many invitations from God. To remember that we are charged with continuing to shine the light of God everywhere and to everyone, even in the troubles of this world, and that we are to be the hands of God, that we're invited to hold all of God's people in steadfast love, just as God holds us. So as we look at these two texts together, we're invited to consider how we live out God's covenant in our own lives. How we shine the light of God's love into the world around us. Peter and James and John stood on the mountain and witnessed something truly incredible. And maybe, I think, a modern soundtrack for the experience of the Transfiguration might sound like something or could come from Tomatia's song in the Disney movie Moana when he sings about his desire to shine and all the things that he can get from being shiny. And if I weren't under very specific copyright restrictions, I would absolutely play the song for you right now because it's very catchy. I would encourage you to go and look it up because it's also a lot of fun. Thinking about being shiny and all of the things that come from this dazzling visual experience, Peter and James and John witnessed what they thought was an incredible external transformation. All of a sudden, things were appearing visually in front of their eyes that they didn't understand and that they couldn't quite process. The Gospel of Mark doesn't give the disciples a whole lot of credit for thinking deeply pretty much anywhere in the Gospel account. So it might not have occurred to them that Jesus' transformation represented something internal, something deeper. The texts of our Psalms speak of the way that God shines forth into the world. Again, this is a visual representation of something deeper that's going on. So I want to invite you to think for a moment about a time when a physical transformation might have represented something deeper. So a few obvious ones come to my mind. I think about wearing wedding rings or engagement rings to represent a deeper commitment. About someone who might get a tattoo or change a hairstyle or start wearing a different wardrobe piece to mark a time of transition or something important that's happened in their lives. And visual reminders are helpful. They help us read a situation. They help us by offering social cues or they inform us of what we might be observing. But it's important that we not always rely on Visual evidence alone, though, it can be deceiving, and there may be plenty of other things going on that don't have a visual clue. That cue, and those visual cues being absent, it might be helpful for us to know something more, something deeper. It used to be way back when that when a loved one or someone close to you died, the family would take marks upon themselves to mark their grief. Men would wear black armbands around the upper parts of their arms. People would dress in black. Sometimes they would wave a black flag outside their home or drape a piece of black cloth over their gate or their fence or their doorway or even a window. I can remember coming back to Hickory a little while after my mom died and being frustrated because nothing seemed to really change. There were neighbors who would usually wave when they were driving past or when they were out walking their dogs, and they continued to do so oblivious to the fact that I was experiencing some really tremendous grief. I remember wishing that there was Some kind of a flag that I could put outside my house or some kind of magical bubble that would go around appearing over my head that would warn people that I was having a really difficult time and that everybody should treat me as gently as possible because of everything that I was going through. I've heard stories about people who accomplish really great and amazing feats, like running a marathon or hiking the Appalachian Trail, like getting admitted to college or passing their medical boards or the bar exam, or people who travel to another country or participate in an international mission trip. They accomplish this thing that is so huge and so major, but they don't necessarily have some big visual cue to represent their accomplishment. And it's interesting because there isn't always a direct way of talking about it. They might not feel comfortable just calling out and proclaiming, Hey, I passed the bar exam or, Hey, I just went on this really amazing mission trip and I want to tell you all kinds of stories about that. It's not part of everyone's personality all of the time. It's interesting because both of our scriptures refer to a visual aspect and to an audio aspect of the stories that they tell. Our psalm reminds us that as God's light shines, God also uses God's voice to call the faithful together. Mark's gospel account of the transfiguration tells us of the dazzling light around Jesus and of the presence of Elijah and of Moses and obscures all vision through this cloud and that there's this voice that comes from the cloud that identifies Jesus as God's beloved and that voice says, listen, listen isn't something that we do visually, for me, I can't think about the occasion of the Transfiguration without thinking about a number of moments in my life when the Holy Spirit's presence is what I would call inescapable. I think of all of the ways that those encounters with the Holy Spirit had almost no visual evidence. The very first time that I walked into Dimnit Chapel on the campus of Hope College, I felt this tingle up my back and I knew that this place had to be my home, even if it was only for a few years while I studied there. I felt the same thing standing in the snow just outside of that dimnet chapel the very first time I heard one of my religion professors speak and try to teach me something from the Hebrew language. The same tingle and Feeling of the Holy Spirit's presence the very first time I held each of my nieces or nephews when they were infants or when I met them for the very first time. The same tingle when I walked into the chapel on my seminary's campus many years later or even when our dear PNC snuck me into our beautiful sanctuary here in Hickory right at Northminster. I can't say that I was close by to a a mirror or a reflection when I was experiencing these, these tingles, these Holy Spirit encounters, and the only thing I can ascribe them to is to the presence of the Holy Spirit. They mark important moments in my life, relationships, and places where I was formed into who I am and my journeys through faith and life. I wonder what Peter and James and John were feeling on that mountaintop, not just what they were seeing or what they were hearing, but what was going on inside them. All we hear from scripture is that they were experiencing awe, which I think accounts to so many feelings all at once. For the past few weeks, we have been worshiping and proclaiming all of the ways that God holds our lives. We've taken positions of open hands cupped before us as we pray together, symbolizing the way we hold our prayers to offer to God and our openness to receiving God's mercy and God's love for ourselves in order to be able to share it with others. For me, I can look at the Holy Spirit encounters that I've had in my own life in these big, huge, really important moments and I can see God holding me through the tingles of the Holy Spirit's presence in these big places. I can also see God's grasp on me in the countless times when I have sat in front of a computer screen with Bibles piled over here and articles piled over here, waiting for the Holy Spirit to overtake my hands and type out a sermon. Or the times when I have meagerly typed words together, putting pen to page only to offer a prayer that the spirit would take it and make it into something more for the ears who would hear it. The little moments when the spirit has shown up in sending bluebirds to comfort a widow as she spreads her husband's ashes, or in the inexplicable presence of snow falling when the temperature says it's 40 degrees out. The Holy Spirit shows up in big ways and in small ways, and I believe everywhere in between. These transformative, transfigurative moments, they don't need to happen on big, giant mountaintops all the time. They might happen in the little tingles that might come up your back, or in remembering something, or in a dream, or a conversation. I want to ask, how is God holding your life when have you encountered the holy spirit was there dazzling white and blinding light did you know immediately that the holy spirit was present and this was something so sure and so huge did voices speak from the clouds Have you experienced transformation within only to realize there's not necessarily tangible evidence of your experience? How is God through the Holy Spirit holding you being present in your life? I believe that we are entitled and invited to do things a little differently than Peter and James and John did. Jesus instructed them to keep silent about their experiences followers of Jesus and beloved children who are held by God, were invited to live boldly, to proclaim the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives, to witness to the transformations in our lives and in our midst, and to be agents of transformation through the power of the Holy Spirit. And if there's no tangible evidence of these things, if there's not a visible shine, if there's not voices that come from the clouds, It's perhaps our invitation to be witnesses of the power of God's abundant love and radical hospitality and make it tangible in our own ways. So may we do so vibrantly and willingly with every sense that we are able to harness to the glory of God and in the service of God's beloved community. May this be so. Amen.